0: Good morning. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So, uh, where did the summer go? I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's done, it's over. Uh, Next week, we not only go back to three services, but preseason sports begin, both at Fillmore and at the college. There will be college students among us soon. I can't believe it. And uh, you remember that long list of summer projects that I had that I was going to get done? Yeah, whole summer shot, nothing done. Just like that. I find that this is a familiar August experience for me. But along with the wonder that exists at the hyper-speed of summer life, there's also a building sense of excitement, anticipation for fall and for youth group, and for the adventure and potential that the new year holds. One small project that I've been thinking about doing for a long time and and did manage to get done this summer was to print off a bunch of photos, um, about 7 by 10 size, and they're photos that span kind of my whole time here as the youth pastor, And I put them up on the wall of my office. These are are just a few of those. (laughs) You will see some familiar faces here, I'm sure. I tried to keep the list short, but it was just... They were too good. And as I think about these photos and another year beginning, and I look at those faces, uh, it stirs in me a deep sense of excitement. And it helps to kind of put me back in touch with my calling. You should... (laughs) You should really stop into my office and and look at all of them. They're they're really good. Uh, I am so grateful to be part of a denomination and a community of faith that deeply values... Our young people. In our scripture passage for this morning, we see a mandate to live as a community that nurtures and cares for the faith of the young people among us. Moses is standing before the people of Israel as they prepare to head into the promised land, and he challenges them to be a people who follow and honor God. I think it's interesting to note that in this passage, many children is listed as one of the blessings of that God will give to his people in the Promised Land. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Now, you just heard the passage read, so I won't reread the whole thing, but look again with me at verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, for thousands of years, Jewish people have recited these words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. And this passage is known as the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word that is often translated to hear or to listen. But it carries more weight than just the idea of hearing. Fully understood, Shema is to listen, to pay attention, and respond to. There's, there's action required here. It's like saying, hear, O child of mine, the garbage is full. Right? Or maybe, uh, Shema, O teenager, your room is a mess. Or even, hey, your house is on fire. <laughs> it's not just informational. The knowledge requires action. In Psalm 27, seven, the psalmist uses this word, and he's crying for help. And he says, hear, or shema, my voice, when I call, Lord. By starting with the word shema, Moses was saying, listen, Israel, pay attention to this. The Lord is God. He's the King of King and Lord of Lords. And that fact requires that we should love Him with all of our being. But the call of Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 9 is not only to personally live out the Shema, but to live this life in front of and among and with the next generation. Verse 6 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is an all encompassing call to the people of Israel to live out the Shema. He's saying, do this in every situation when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you get up. Do it in every setting, at home and along the road. And it needs to be our highest priority, kept constantly in front of us by tying them on our hands and binding them on our foreheads, writing them on the door frames and on the gates. In this way, every moment is a moment for faith. A demonstration of what it means to live loving God with all that we are. And often, when we think about raising children, we think of this familiar passage from Proverbs chapter 22. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not part from it. And this is a familiar verse. In fact, probably many of us have this written in our house somewhere where we can see it. We love to hold on to this verse as a promise, but maybe we should also see it as a call to action or a command. Like the Shema, it's a command, and it is a command with an implied time element, right? Children grow up. One of the things I think about when I look at the pictures on my wall is that many of the students who are on my wall are no longer here. They're They're still part of us. They're part of our community. We have connections with them in a variety of ways and depths, but they've grown up they become real people. You know, they, they're living somewhere else. Uh, which brings me to the marbles here. Now, this is not one of those guess how many deals. And I know some of you have made a guess, right? So lean over to your neighbor and tell them what your guess is. Go ahead. Tell them. Okay, so uh, the answer is 936. If any of you got that right, you probably should have saved your guess for a time when you could have won something. I'm sorry. I'm not winning anything today. Uh, 936 is approximately the number of weeks from birth until high school graduation. So letting one of these marbles represent a single week, there are approximately 936 marbles from the day your child is born until they graduate from high school. From the moment that little child entered the world, the countdown started. With each passing week... A marble comes out of the jar. And once kindergarten starts, we can be much more accurate with our timing, right? So, uh, it's approximately, or for most students, it's 624 weeks. 624 weeks. From the moment they enter kindergarten until the time they move out of your house. okay? And then comes middle school. By seventh grade, we're down to 312 hormonally charged marbles. All right? At this point, we've lost nearly two thirds of our marbles, and if you have a seventh grader, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Then, Uh, when our students walk through the doors of high school as a freshman, two hundred and eight, two hundred and eight left. All right. As a freshman, two hundred and eight left. And if you are a parent of a senior, like I am, just for just for those of you that are parents of seniors, there's fifty two left. Doesn't seem like many. Now, if, if you're the parents of a senior, as I am, you may be thinking, thanks a lot for this equal parts depressing and panic-inducing news. Uh, but please know, neither of those emotions are my goal here. I, I got this illustration from an organization called Orange that focuses on the strategic partnership between the family and the church. And, and this year in the youth ministry, we're going to be using uh, the Orange curriculum Reggie Joyner, who's the director of Orange, says this when it comes to keeping track of your marbles. He says, when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time you have now. And we aren't counting down with dread. Instead, we're paying attention to the time we have left, so we'll be motivated to make it count. Uh, Last week during family camp, I stopped into the worship time one morning. Uh, And while we were singing, I noticed uh, a young dad there with a a small girl sitting in his lap and a a little boy, a little bit older, uh, sitting next to him. And I thought to myself, man, he looks exhausted. Uh, And I remember that stage, right? It was a beautiful thing. But we don't want to get lost in that. We want to pay attention to where we are and where we're going. At Orange, they've recycled a commonly used phrase, and I'm I'm sure that you've heard it. We use it with parents who are experiencing exhaustion or frustration or bewilderment with their children. We say something like this, don't worry, this is just a phase, right? It'll pass. But maybe what we should be saying is, hey mom and dad, family, church family, this is just a phase. It's not going to last forever. Don't miss it. This is an important step in your son or daughter's development. Be present. Embrace the experience. It's going to pass before you know it. And this phase, whatever, whatever that happens to be at the moment, represents a unique opportunity to help your student know how to love God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength during what's a temporary chapter in their life. Don't miss it. I, wa- I want to pause for a second because if you have kids, you know, if you're grandparents or, or a parent, you've probably been tracking. Pretty well here with me, but I also recognize that there are empty nesters in here and not yet parents and singles and teenagers. And I want you to understand that you also are critical to this idea of living out the Shema to the next generation. The Bible takes for granted the understanding of God's people as community, not individuals or even as families, but as a community. And this is the responsibility of the family and the church. We recognize that our family of origin has the primary and most powerful influence on us as individuals. I'm not disputing that. But it is also hard to overstate the importance of our community of faith working in partnership with the home. We all have a vital role to play in the lives of our young people. In the world of children and youth ministries, we like to talk about the 5 to 1 ratio. Meaning that as a general rule, it's good to have one adult leader present for every 5 kids. Uh, this ratio, you know, allows for healthy relational connections and, and usually ensures that things don't get burnt down. Uh, but Dr. Kara Powell and the Fuller Youth Institute have done some pretty extensive research uh, on the development of faith in young people and on how that faith sticks or, or doesn't stick as they graduate and move out into the world. And their findings have been published in a series of books under the theme of sticky faith. Her results affirm the five-to-one ratio, but with a with a twist on it. She says that students who were found to have a sort of a constellation of caring adults—five adults to one student—in their faith community, adults that invest in their spiritual journey, were more likely to have a faith that sticks. This means that we all have a role to play. It doesn't matter if you're an empty nester or a single adult or married with no kids or if you're a high school student, you can invest in the lives of the people around you. You can help to make this community a place that welcomes and celebrates children and youth, a place that loves and encourages them, helps them to identify their God-given gifts, and gives them space to use those gifts. What if you were one of the five in the life of a student in our church? This morning we baptized little James. And uh, in a similar way, I love it when we do uh, baby dedications or child dedications here at the church. Pastor West will stand up in front of us with the family and the child, and he reminds us, as he did this morning, that God is fully committed to this young person and has already demonstrated his great love for them. And the parents are there affirming their intent to do what they can do to help the child know God and to be, and to be raised in, in him. And then he looks out at us and he says, will you be committed to nurturing the faith of this child? And we say, yes. This child is one of us for always. And while they are physically with us, we will be a community that loves God and embraces and cares for and nurtures the faith of little James and others, our other students. A community that loves God together. When I look at the photos of students on my wall and as we think about this idea of, you know, illustrated by the marbles that time is short, uh, let, let's not be afraid. Instead, let's engage. I want to encourage all of us to engage. And, and you could do that in, a, in an official sort of ministry role here at the church if you, if you felt like God is calling you uh, to that. We have all kinds of opportunities in our children and youth ministries that vary in style and gifting and commitment level. Uh, but you could also simply start by being intentional with the relationships that are already present in your life. Remember, the Shema is a command with implied action. Okay, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. I know it can be a struggle for me to love God with all that I am, right? With all my heart and soul and strength. Too often, my attitudes and my actions reveal a selfishness that conflicts with this command. Which is why, of course, the table, our communion table, is necessary. It's only through Jesus' death on the cross that we can have healing and hope. And it's only by the power of his resurrection from the dead, that we can truly live the Shema. And so as followers of Jesus, we come in our weakness and our brokenness, and together we receive His grace. This morning, as Pastor West leads us in communion, and as you come to the table, I invite you to open your heart to God and ask Him to reveal one way that this week, by His grace, you can live the Shema more fully. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for the gift of the church and family, and for your grace present in us, this place, in this world, in these elements. Pour out the abundance of your blessing on the bread and the cup, that as we eat and drink, we will know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, individually and corporately. And we may be filled with the power of Christ anew to live, to bear witness to the grace of Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.